when I'm not sure when we actually go live because there's no like firm time but welcome it is Friday May 15th this is the morning brushback I'm your co-host Dan Blewett I'm joined remotely by Bobby Stevens out in Chicago Bobby how you doing man Daniel good morning good morning sir so we have a, a guestless Friday which I'm personally delighted about I've enjoyed our guests but uh, I just want some quality time with my co-host, you know, it's just like, I feel like we don't get to spend any time together, man. Tell you what, it's been a long time since we've argued one-on-one. Well, speaking of that, um, so I heard the <laughs> podcast came after you pretty hard the other day about, um, our president's this, golf habits. This podcast Twitter is really stirring the pot. He's coming after you. So he He's said, got a mind of its own. So he said you were unhappy with uh, Governor Pritzker's family being in Florida, and then he asked if you were um, as unhappy with uh, the president constantly being in his um, his little Mar-a-Lago and uh, golfing like every other day. And he wanted to know how you felt you know, about this pod- it. And you the felt podcast attacked. oddly made some good points. Like You're right? Yeah. He he uh, he or she, you know, whatever has has a shares an odd an odd assimilation with you I, it's you know i don't i'm not going to point any well it's not surprising that, that a, a podcast conspiracy. rising to sentience would inhabit a, a marvelous personality like me with just you so know. the ai the ai on this podcast is not quite where these comments are coming from i don't know where these thoughts are being formed. i don't think it's a far stretch to think that ai would be designed in my image i mean i look into I these eyes body I find it odd that smooth radio voice, Bobby. I mean, it's it's soothing, is what it is. I find it odd that the podcast also tweets from the DC area, just just the center of politics. I mean, it was just an interesting. (laughs) It's an interesting side note that he that he or she decides that decided to just make residence in DC. I can't remember if the podcast knew it was doing. If it was, or if it just because it has three accounts that it covers, that it just uh, happened to do it on the podcast. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think in fifty years, it's very likely that you know, in like a Terminator sort of world where humans are being oppressed by robots, it's very likely that they'll be look, they'll look like me. It's very likely. I do, I do have this. I do have the easy on the eyes, you know, (laughs) easy on the eyes when you're being oppressed and making pyramids or whatever robots would have you do. Right when he's when he's dictating our everyday lives, this morning brushback podcast. I'm like Dan, uh, I used Twitter to watch accounts. your videos. Why are you doing this? I'm not Dan anymore. I fi- I I do get I do get the slightest bit of uh, anxiety when I tweet something out and I for a second pause and think, what account did I tweet that out from? Because I have the my personal account, mm-hmm. my team account, the brushback. I mean, there's. And all the burner accounts I like to I like to troll our former guests on. <laughs> oh yeah, all so. those all those burner accounts. So what are we talking about today, sir? Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. This MLB proposal, Trevor Bauer and Blake Snell just going off on on social media. Uh, okay. Some good points, some bad points. We'll talk. Uh, Mac, my former conference, the Mid American Conference, doing away with their postseason tournaments for eight sports, baseball and softball included. 
Um, so making it that much more difficult to make it to the uh, to the regionals for if you're a baseball or softball team. You have to get an at-large bid then? We'll talk You'd about it. You have to get an at-large bid, which is nearly impossible for a mid-major school. Hmm. Um, we'll probably jump around to a few other topics, but I want to start off with the MLB stuff. So have you been keeping up with with the Trevor Bauer uh, Twitter rants and, and such? Uh, I mute him, I think. I think I mute him on Twitter because I'm just not a fan of anything that comes out of his mouth in general. Um, but fill me in. So this MLB proposal came out and we were talking a little bit off air that I, I don't, if anybody knows exactly what's happening with this proposal, please send it over to us. Uh, I'm seeing the 50-50 split of revenue as the big contention point. Um, and Trevor Bauer and Blake... Blake Snell are arguing that they've already agreed to a prorated pay cut. You know, they're going to play half the games. They should get half their salaries, which to me sounds very fair. You know, I, I don't know what, I don't know where the holdup is in there. Uh, but it sounds like that's not quite the case and players are only going to get 50% of the revenue. So if the revenue is zero, from my understanding, the players would play essentially for free. Uh, and obviously nobody wants to do that. No. Well, so I heard uh, Blake Snell's comments, and I saw many of the responses to it, uh, which he's like, "I'm, you know, there's going to be more risk. I'm not going to go out there and get sick for that." And I think that's a pretty tone deaf uh, way to go about this. If I was a player in the major leagues right now, I would probably say nothing about a lot of this, but I would be very wary about talking about how much risk I'm assuming, which is not nearly as much as a grocery store worker who I think everyone appreciates that there's a lot of people keeping the world running by, you know, taking care of our sick in the hospitals. Like all the hospital workers are putting themselves at risk every day. And then all these just other essential workers at Target, at the grocery store, at everywhere that we still need to go, their risk is extremely high. And so then you get a privileged major league baseball player who's making... I don't know what Blake Snell makes, six million a year, ten million, 10 million a year, something like yeah, that. Something like that. And you refuse to accept this risk for five million measly dollars for three months' work. That's just like definitely not the right sentiment to express to the world. That's maybe the one to express to your rich buddies in private, and then not say that in in the real in you know real world. So I get that. That now I, one counter argument was well, these people who are working whatever the job is, they're doing their normal job and getting their normal pay. Like a nurse is making her normal salary right now. Okay. They're not taking a pay cut. I I get it. So if you ask a nurse to take 50%, does she still assume all that risk, which is vastly higher than what a major league baseball player would go through? Uh, Fair, fair question. But yeah, I just think it's uh, I think that's a poor way to go about this whole dialogue. It's like everyone wants sports back and players need to understand that their job is as an entertainer. There, there isn't anything beyond them being an entertainer. They might think it's something bigger, but it's not. Sports have always been entertainment. And um, yeah. that's, that's just what it is. So if they're asking, like, oh, like, like this is not a... It's, obviously, it's a job, but it is entertainment. And so I just think that there's like a little lack of sensitivity, which from Trevor Bauer is not surprising because he seems... Um, just tone deaf like all the time and does lots of strange things that make no sense. Uh, but I don't know. What's your, what's your take on it? Uh, I mean, the Blake Snell, if you had the Blake Snell one is, is brutal. Uh, 
it just yeah. the optics are terrible with with what he said and and i don't think he's wrong it's just the optics of it are bad like I don't know where Tony Clark is. Tony Clark, the head of the MLBPA. Tony, I don't know where, where he's are been. you, Tony? He's, he needs. I mean, he needs to put a to rank to to corral these guys and and just tell them, look, our messaging is if it's safe, then then we have a good chance of playing. If it's not safe, then we're not going to play. Yeah, but and don't just use the stick terms. That point home. I need my money. I want my money. Dude, or nah, which is what Blake Snell said. Yeah, I read his yeah. quote. It's, um, and if you haven't seen his video, I just retweeted it. So you could he did it on Twitch or he did it on one of those, you know, whatever the kids play video games on. I don't have video games, but crazy kids. Uh, you ha- you ha- you cannot first thing out of your mouth is I'm not playing for less than what I'm supposed to get, because then it then the argument shifts from not is it safe, but what's the right dollar amount like. Okay, so if you get a certain dollar amount, like you should play and forget everything else. Like there's yeah. so many things, so many layers of this. Um, and I'm and I'm very hesitant to side with billionaire, you know, a, a, a group of 30 billionaires. But if if you're in a business and you're looking at this and say, look, if we don't play this year, the each one of our teams is going to lose uh, 500 million dollars. But if we do play at these current conditions, we're st- we set to lose. $800 million. Like logically it makes no sense to play. If you're the billionaire owner, I don't care how much money you have. Nobody's yep. just throwing money out the window. So I, I understand where there needs to be some compromise on both sides and the players have compromised, you know, they're getting a prorated salary, which I don't know why that would be considered a compromise of any sorts. Like why would you get the $10 million you were supposed to get if you only play half the games? There's no reason to get that money. Like you get what you, you know, Baseball for the longest time has been no salary cap, guaranteed contracts. Like, yeah, and I was thinking about that too. The whole guarantee—it's like football doesn't have guaranteed contracts. Like, you get hurt or no. whatever. You, like, and I don't know how the football contracts work exactly, but you're right. The guaranteed contracts thing is—it's like great. So you can you're guaranteed be your money for the next five years, or get hurt yeah. and earn no revenue. Like everyone has that protection. And you know, yet, you get you get career-ending injury. Like you're signed, you know, Mike Trout goes down tomorrow, doesn't play for the next two years. Like he's collecting that money he was he signed for. Now, granted, the team might have some kind of uh, insurance claim or something like that to recoup those funds. But for the most part, the, that money's all coming to him. He doesn't have to worry about it. You're a football player. You might have a small percentage of your money guaranteed, but the rest of that, you know, $10 million contract you have gone. See you later. And you're you're basically done at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, this is not, I mean, it's not surprising, and this is social media. I mean, players are on the web more than more than they have been, which is a good thing, but at the same time, I mean, just like any other, any other group or organization in any profession, you just have people that just, like, have little emotional intelligence, and I think Trevor Bauer leads the, leads the charge there at times, um, and it sounds like Blake Snell too does too. Like they just don't have the emotional intelligence to say, "Hmm, maybe I shouldn't say it in this way and be really insensitive." Being a multimillionaire young athlete, maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. Maybe I should just be diplomatic about it, you know, because I'm very well paid for doing something that um, everyone would like to do, and is a very cool job. But again, like I mean, you have people at the post office who are going off on crazy rants and doing weird stuff and just being like yeah. a psychotic person. People at any job that just like have little emotional intelligence about how they interact with other people, and, and baseball is no different, so it's you know not surprising. This is highlighting an issue that baseball has been 
pointing out for the last, I don't know, since Derek, since essentially since Derek Jeter retired, is that there is no face of baseball. If if this was happening during, well, and it, it is should not be during, Trevor Bauer. That's for sure. Well, it's right. whoever, the ball whoever the center should, field wall, it like should when he's be. A tantrum. You know, basketball takes for for whether you like him or dislike him, and the, you know the last dance is out, and we're talking about Michael Jordan all the time. LeBron James is the face of basketball, whether you yeah. like him or not. And LeBron James, for all accounts, is a very well-spoken person. I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. And I think I LeBron's great. Yeah, I think he's impressed me a lot. In the um, he's a very in, well-spoken guy in this era of and our dictator president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he it just in general, like he speaks out, like he he does. I haven't watched the Last Dance, but the big knock on Michael Jordan when he played was, you know, well, Republicans buy shoes too. Like he didn't never took really a political stance. He stayed pretty neutral um, for whatever his beliefs were. And LeBron James is not. He has taken a side. He has he has formulated well well thought out responses yeah. to social issues. And he's and he's the face of basketball. Baseball does not have that. And football, I would argue, not that they're being, uh, you know, affected currently, but the NFL commissioner has a face, like he does put out information. And yeah, yep, he does have face? a face. Yeah, he's got a face. He's got skin. Skin mug. At least one nose. Yeah. I don't know who does. the. I don't know who you would consider the face of football. Probably Tom Brady. Um, For sure. Also, another well-spoken person, very calculated in what he says. So yeah, says very you don't little. see football players speaking out. Does Tom out. Brady ever talk except for just being on like a watch commercial? Like I don't, a watch yeah, ad? I don't think so. Yeah, I, you always I get if, your... Uh, what does his voice even ag- sounds like? I don't even it's know. very... Ro- it sounds like what our podcast voice would sound like. Very robotic and and uh, monotone. But you don't you see the, like baseball. There is no face of baseball. Like nobody's taking the lead. And if Agreed. Tony Clark needs to come forward and just be the be the guy that tells everybody, look, this is the messaging stick with it and i've seen guys on twitter former players kind of attacking uh blake snell not for what he's not for his his opinion but just for the messaging that it's sending to everybody like you're making the players sound terrible right now because it's all about money when everybody's out of work right now yeah so you can't you know the messaging needs to be different you can't get your four million dollars instead of eight million dollars for being on so TV and revered by boo hoo Blake exactly exactly it's just not a good it's just not a good way to phrase it in the world like be and the yeah, yeah the problem is the face I think the problem is the face of baseball like the the face of baseball should be Mike Trout he's the best player he's in a the yeah but that's clearly state. not his personality just like Clayton right. Kershaw it's not Clayton Kershaw's personality either they're very similar they just want to do their thing they're clearly both like good humble people and they just want to show up at the ballpark and and go home at night and yeah. that's okay and I think the they opposite. deserve that. Mm-hmm. You have the opposite in Bryce Harper, who's very like he's very brash and he's almost he's not diplomatic. He's not, you know, I haven't heard him speak all that much. But when you do hear him speak, it sounds like he's just he's he's not calculated in what he's saying. He's just saying it. And that's great. Like it's you get unfiltered information. But I don't know if the face of baseball needs to be off the cuff remarks from well, your most well, popular guy. Bryce Harper is not even a top tier major leaguer anymore. I mean. He's a, an above well, average player, but he's popular, not a superstar. Popularity wise, popularity, popularity wise. yeah. But I feel like that's going to start waning as well. I feel like he's been tucked away in Philadelphia, and that he's not as in the in the limelight as he once was. Although maybe sure. this is my own perception, but like well, we J- haven't seen Jake Arrieta. Like where did Jake Arrieta go? Oh, he's in Philly, so like no one cares. Kind of. We haven't seen anybody since Derek Jeter, who's had a national presence, just as far as media is concerned, and he's in the major market. I mean, who's in New York? Who's in New York right now? You have 
Aaron Judge, who's essentially young and quiet. You've got Stanton, who doesn't say much. You know, there's not, there is no face of baseball that's got a major platform that can say, look, we want to play. We want it to be safe. We want it to be fair. And then you have a whole team and, in Houston that are just a bunch of cheaters. You know? Yeah, did you, see, did you see that burner Araldis Chapman account that responded to Jose Altuve? Jose Altuve came out and said, you know, we're not going to play for these terms. And Araldis Chapman's burner account said, you better not. I'm warming up to basically dice you up. It was very good. Fodder. Well, the real winners, and I hate to phrase it that way, but the real winners of the whole coronavirus thing are the Astros because no one cares about the scandal anymore because everyone's got bigger, fi- bigger fish to fry. But I feel like, and, and when we get back to baseball, and I was talking about, uh, to a friend about this, when we get back to baseball, everyone's going to be excited to have baseball, and they're not going to want to be like, wait, guys, we need to remember to shame these people, which we need to. Like, the Astros are still despicable, shameful humans, especially Bregman. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm a little more neutral now, Tuve. Um, but just like that little punk and his lies and just like, just the way he is, it's just, ugh, they're awful. So we need to remember to not, and even like like I know like Justin Verlander was given some of his um, some of his like four thousand dollar a month salary or whatever they were giving the players. He was giving that away to charity, and that's great. And I I like Justin Verlander, but it's like don't everyone still continues to act? I think on the pitching side that they didn't know what was going on or that they weren't affected by it, like it didn't help them. It's like no one has really been honest. Correa was honest for like a minute about it, and then also spouted off about how another player like didn't know all the facts. It's like. The facts are yeah. that you guys are cheaters. Just like, just stop, just stop there. So it's been really disappointing. I feel like on the, I think on the, Justin Verlander could be that kind of face of baseball. I mean, he's been dealing for 10 years. Yeah, um, he's got a platform. But he's, he's got a, a very but he's, famous he's on the che- Yeah, he's on the cheater team. He never really owned up or like, especially as a pitcher, you could just be like, look, yeah, we know we got helped by this. Like we knew it was going on. Like no one's going to care nearly as much as a hitter. You could have just like taken that bullet and taken the high road, but no, no one chose to really do that. So yeah, I mean Verlander's a good Verlander. He's been in Detroit. I mean, not not, not the biggest market. Houston. They had, for the last couple of years they've been front and center in baseball. You know, glory, whether it's good or bad. I mean, they've been on a national stage. They play all the Sunday night games. You know, Verlander could be the face. His wife is very famous model, actress, whatever you want to consider her. And he has a face too, um, which is important. He's got a face. It's not the best looking face, but it's, you know, it's there. So he could be, uh, he could be the face of, you know, at least the the front and center face of baseball. Somebody needs to, to take those reins. Like Derek Jeter left a huge void when he retired, uh, you know, leaving New York. Now he's in Miami. He's basically MIA. He got married to the chagrin of all of us. He got married. I didn't know that. He did get married. You know, he's, his, he he ended his, I don't know her name, but he ended his long run of actresses and models and, and, you know, starlets, Hollywood starlets. So he really, end of an era, left baseball, got married. Derek, we hardly knew ye. Well, you got to get married at some point, maybe. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. You you could. I did. So packed it in. Just just pack it in. I, I mean, I was. What shelf She's do you somebody, somebody what shelf me. do you keep your stones and your manhood on? Does she give you a shelf for it or is it just like tucked away in like a box? No, there's like a we have a side drawer. They're in there somewhere. <laughs> They're in a little glass case. Mm, got it. Got it. Um, All right. So moving on, moving on. 
We've got this, my former conference. I went to Northern Illinois University, the Mid-American Conference. Some of you might know Maction football, Tuesday, Wednesday football. No one knows that. Fit. No. Everybody Just knows that. Keep going. Keep going, though. It's great gambling fodder, uh, this 60 to 50 football game on a Tuesday evening. Um, but Mac, the Mac came out three days ago and basically said that starting in 2021, the conference is eliminating the postseason tournaments for baseball, softball, uh, men's and women's soccer and tennis, women's lacrosse and field hockey. I don't have strong opinions on the field hockey part, but the baseball and softball one is uh, is a little disturbing just from a former player. You know, what do you got on this? Well, field hockey is such a strange sport. It's like they're running around with an upside with an umbrella holding it by the end. And they have these weird goggles on and they just whack the ball and try not to hurt each other. It's just a fascinating sport. Um, yeah. So that's what I have on field hockey. Uh, yeah. As far as like the conference play, that seems like a strange decision. Like why, what do you feel like the reason for doing that is? It's, it feels strictly monetary uh, to me that they're just trying to save some money. You know, you save money on the conference term, you save money on travel. I know there's been, it's been on Twitter that there's conferences, baseball conferences, debating moving to a uh, – normally in baseball you play a four, three or four game set on the weekends, but they're talking about three game sets, flying in on Saturday morning, playing a doubleheader, flying out Sunday night after you play a single game on Sunday, so basically cutting down on those travel costs. Uh, it's monetary. You just, they just want to save some money. and Doubleheaders are the and, worst. This Double will be known are when, absolutely the worst. When robotic Dan's enslave humanity in 50 years, there will be no doubleheaders. Or actually, there will be doubleheaders for everyone every day. It depends how we feel. So if you do your work, then there will be no doubleheaders. But if the humans revolt, then there will be doubleheaders every day. Doubleheaders are the worst. How do you feel about doubleheaders? I, here, so I have, a, I have a different opinion on doubleheaders. When you're, when you're a guy who's not an everyday starter doubleheaders might be great because that might be the only time you get in the game. Hmm. But as a player and an everyday guy, I hate doubleheaders. I never want to play them, um, especially the day-night doubleheader. Now, if you're playing the two back-to-back seven-inning doubleheaders, fine, I'll knock those out. But if you got to play at noon, nine-inning game, come back at seven, play nine-inning game, no way. I actually mean, like that better. I like the day night better because it's uh, just at least you have like two routines. Ball. You kind of get to like have like a nice meal in between. And I like that you have like the real, the night game. It's like the, the day game is like prep for the real game, which I always love night games, obviously. But um, it's very different as a kid because as a kid, you just like get to have more fun that day if it's nice out. In college, right. if it's cold out, like if you're in a mid-Atlantic school or like an Illinois type school where it's just miserable until like the last week of the season doubleheaders are so terrible especially as a pitcher you're just out there just shivering the whole time and uh it's unpleasant um i mean we all have to understand there's a lot of things that we love about baseball i mean i i love baseball it was a great thing in my life it still is obviously just not as a player doubleheaders were just were not one of them i mean again when i was a kid they were great it's more time in the sun with your buddies whatever in pro ball in college they just suck like, as a pitcher, they just suck. You're just standing around a lot. You have a lot of field work to do. It's just very long, very cold. Um, if you're playing shortstop in two games, it's probably a lot different. Because then if you have a crappy first game, you can, like, redeem yourself. If you have a good first yep. game, you can be like, I'm going to go eight for eight today. But it's, And then the big thing in pro ball is, the big thing in pro ball, obviously, is the uh, 
the fact that you have to get up early and and screw your normal routine up and see the sun. I just hate playing under the sun. Like as a kid, that's normal. <laughs> but in when you get to pro ball, every game is a night game, and that coolness and just like there's no. You get out there at 11 a.m. and you're like, oh, God, where am I? What am I doing? Why is the sun out? Why is it so hot? Why am I sweating? Eh. And you, that's like how you feel the whole day. Because well, your previous you night some... is the same. You go to bed at oh, yeah. midnight and then you're ready to like slowly ease into your routine the next day. But no, you got to get up at 930 and be at the ballpark at 10 or something. And then your game's at 1. And it's just well, you... like you have breakfast food smell in the clubhouse. I'm not a huge <sighs> breakfast food person. <laughs> So it's like I got to smell bacon and eggs and then go play baseball. I sound like a real spoiled brat right now, but you sound um, you sound like That's my opinion this. on doubleheaders. I just I just genuinely hated doubleheaders the last half, last third of my career as a kid I liked them. Blah. But if you go to a major league game, we get back there. Just know that every player hates their life when it's a doubleheader. They hate they hate it. The sun. I, the- Oh, it's merciless. Nothing's nothing is more annoying than the than the early day game when it's camp day and every the 11 a.m. Tuesday the, game uh, where every kid's camp in the tri-county area brings their day campers and their in their shirts and their like same colored shirts, puts them in a puts them in a big group in the stands and there's. 2,500 little kids not paying attention to the ball, just whizzing past their face and they're screaming all while the camp counselors are crying in the last row because they cannot stand their lives at that current moment. Nothing is worse. Yeah. And and for people who maybe think this is another spoiled, spoiled person take, I really like kids. Like I always have, I, I, I know they're, everyone's different in, in like what age group they really like enjoy. I really like younger kids. I think they're funny. They say the stupidest stuff because that's just like what you are when you're when you're growing up. And like, I don't mind. Like, I I like the like the younger kids that I worked with. Um, but the camp environment at these games, what what you end up getting as a player is like, you know, a foul ball comes over there in the bullpen, and you get thirty or forty kids run over and scream at the top of their lungs to get the ball at their little high-pitched voices. And it's like, I would like all of you individually. Like, thanks for coming, but, ah, you got to stop. Like, 40 kids screaming. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, it is a rough morning. It's great to see the kids at the ballpark. I sign autographs. Like, I love doing all that stuff. Um, I would sign a lot for those early day games. And we would toss balls in the stands, but just that, like, the, I think the minor league ballpark behavior has changed over the years where kids run over and they like are kind of aggressive sometimes about asking for foul balls instead of being polite. And, um, there's a story I've shared before, not on this podcast, but we were, <laughs> this, this girl just like played as like a fiddle. It was like the eighth inning or something. We were in Southern Maryland and they, had this big, like concrete embankment. So there's like, you know, like 10 feet up, you can see this, the fans looking down at you as you warm up. And this little girl, I don't know how old she was, maybe like six, but she's real tiny. She, she walks over and she, she, she's like kind of crossing her legs. Cause she's like kind of nervous to like talk to us. And she goes, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, and she goes, and she goes, I, I just wanted to tell you, I, I think you're great. And then she like runs back to her, like to her parents. And I was like, I need to get that girl a ball. Where's a ball. She needs a ball. 
and I and I found her and I like called her back and gave her a ball. But just like moments like that, I loved. Like like the kids are awesome. Like you, they see themselves in you. Like you see yourselves in them. Like it's such a cool thing. But like then you also get a lot of little kids that just. I like I wish parents at games would just. Uh, I mean, even just playing the game, like hey, go like give the player a compliment. Like just go be ask them like something that they'd like to you know ask them what pitches they throw. It's cool when the kids take interest in us, and are just like polite and will come over and whatever because. You just get worn out. 140 games of kids running over and screaming, kind of oh, yeah. sometimes demanding that you throw them the foul ball. It just like it just wears you out over time, and it's hard even when you like kids, like I do, to just be like, "Come on, guy!" Like, you know, give me yeah. A some of these minor bit. league parks aren't very conducive to uh, privacy either. So, like, I remember playing in parks where you had to literally walk through the fans to get back to your clubhouse, and I, you know, for. I would always sign. I'd always be the last, you know, one of the last ones out there signing, you know, whether, whether I signed for that kid, you know, the previous 20 days or not, you just sign the autograph. You feel grateful that somebody's actually asking because yeah, now in my less. current Bobby Stevens yeah. autographs are trading for between zero. I don't know cents any and of these, cents. you know, uh, well, even like when you play on the team with like Manny Machado and, and all these big leaders, like those, you, those autographs are also worthless when they're on a, on a plastic, baseball that they handed out and it's got mud on it because the kid was playing catch with it. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny. It's funny you say the little girl, because it, you have to be weary as a player. You have to be weary of the autograph sharks that are sending the little kids over and paying them five bucks to get autographs from you or baseballs from you. Well, I was uh, a nobody, so I didn't have to worry about that. So, well, the baseballs, but, um, yeah, the, the little kids, those day games when they're ice cream covered hands and just reaching out and grabbing you like, oh, I like kids as much as anybody else, but not when they're reaching out and grabbing me with their sticky paws. Just, ugh. All right. We I'm need on a, a rant. We're, we're, we're <laughs> whining. Rant. We're whining a little okay, bit. Okay, hold on. Moral of the story is, what I, said. I like kids, uh, appreciate the fans, don't love day games, don't love doubleheaders. That's all you need to really take from this story. Anyway. So back to where the doubleheader started, you know, if if you're a, take yourself back to, you know, a senior in college, a senior in high school, are you going to go to a school like so, like a max school like this where you mainly yeah, have no that's basically no chance of uh going to a regional, you know, not that that's the end all, but it's there's something, a lot of something that you play for. Yeah, if you have options like school A, school B and school A has no postseason, it's not ideal. No, it's, it's a ideal. tough one. Uh, it's I think it's going to be very difficult. Uh, and this is the entire another, conference. Another, the entire conference, you said. Yeah, it's just another. It's just another obstacle when you're when you're a mid major for recruiting. Um, you know, I, I keep up with the recruiting a lot because I have youth teams. They just extended the dead period uh, through the end of June, so nobody can these schools. You know, the dead period is designed to level the playing field between the you know the the top twenty schools in the country mm-hmm. and the you know, the, the max schools of the world, try and make it a little bit even. And now you're not even letting these guys, they can't have people on campus. They can't go out recruiting. I mean, essentially you have a very limited window to find the best players. And those yeah. best players are now being scooped up by the bigger schools. And now you've got this to deal with. It's just not, you're not making it easy for any of these max schools to, to recruit, which sucks Scooping because um... as a, there's plenty of good baseball players that, uh, that come out of those conferences that are going to end up going somewhere else. Yeah. Bobby, I have two things to announce. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start advertising it more because they just, uh, just kind of released the marketing stuff, but I'm in two online summits. 
coming up later uh, the end of this month or well early next month. So one is this uh, debate series called The King of the Hill, and it's by the company called the Expert Summit. And their idea is it's like a bracket format where they have, uh, in this one, it's all pitching minds. Um, They have like a debate uh, bracket. So I'm going to be debating Brent Porcio, who is the pitching guy, well-known on the internet. Um, He's the founder of topvelocity.net, does a good job. Like he's super like um, well-known for a reason, uh, pitching guy. So he and I will be debating on some yet to be determined topic, but then Whoever wins goes and debates uh, the winner of their debate match. So interesting format. I think that's uh, kind of cool. I'm curious to see how it'll go. Um, first time to use my philosophy degree for anything relevant, except for just destroying you here on the show constantly. Well, I feel bad um, for that guy, that uh, that Brett guy. I don't even know what you're going to be talking about. But I'm, di- like I'm difficult. Get... I'm difficult for sure. It's um, it's going to be a it's going to be a difficult debate for him. But good for you. I mean, that's going to be a. Yeah, I'll we'll be see. watching. I'll be we'll watching see. somebody else get reamed apart. That's uh, I will take great pleasure. Yes. So so that's one of them. That's on June seventh. I think my debate, my first debate, is June eighth at eight forty five p.m. But check out at Expert Summit. So it's X P E R T Summit uh, on Twitter. And then I'm in another one. It's a softball summit about recruiting, and uh, that's coming up the end of this month, I believe. And I'll be actually doing two different shows in it. So I'll be doing a live. Um, like a live hour presentation on softball throwing and how fielding interacts with softball throwing, all that sort of stuff, which is what I talk a lot about on, on my YouTube channel. And then I'll be talking about uh, the mental the mental game and another one in a pre-recorded uh, session. So that will be pretty cool. So I got a chance to do that. I appreciate Nick Esposito if you're out there. He's also in the summit. He suggested me to the organizer and she took me. So I appreciate that. So um so i'll be i'll be sending that around so if you're a listener on your on my email list or whatever um i'll be sending info about that in case you want to attend but it seems like a lot of good minds in both uh debate well the debate and the the softball summit so that'll be cool but yeah the softball one would be interesting i don't think people realize how much different softball recruiting is than baseball recruiting just from a just how young they actually go so what do you got on soft so what do you got on softball recruiting uh, so I've got a couple girls that do softball lessons by me, and um, they've got one very, very good 2023 graduate, high school graduate. So she's going into her sophomore or sophomore year, okay, 2022. But she's already had – she cannot sign until she's her junior year, but she's already had the, the SEC offers, the Pac-12 offers. I mean, she's been invited to numerous, like, national showcases. She's ranked, like, number 80 in the country for her class. And just to talk to her dad, who's very serious about the softball thing, he's got her training, you know, multiple times a week, weights, hitting, uh, speed, all kinds of stuff. It's amazing how many girls from her her travel team, and she's on a very prestigious travel team uh, nationally, how many girls have already committed, just verbally committed to their school. Um, it's, it's actually very impressive. So it happens so early. Uh, the one pitcher on her team was already being in seventh grade. She was being touted as like the next coming. She was on all these radars. So softball, it happens a little, it happens earlier, although baseball has been earlier and earlier now as well, but softball, it seems like they, they recognize and identify these girls, especially pitchers uh, 
super early. So it'll be interesting to hear everybody's thoughts on that, on that, uh, that forum that you're going to be on about, you know, where softball's headed for recruiting yeah. wise. Yeah. And for those of you out there, I just tweeted the, uh, the handle of the expert summit uh, on my, my Twitter. So, I mean, it goes really young. So these girls, so you said she's got Pac-12 offers, all that stuff. What can they do? Does she verbally commit or, or what? Or is she just waiting for multiple years? You just have to wait. I th- it sounds like her father, they're just going to wait until her junior year. Um, I mean, they can talk, you know, quote unquote, talk numbers, but they're going to wait until they get official offers, official numbers. And softball is much more different than baseball uh, scholarship money wise. So I'm sure she'll have a full ride wherever she wants to go. But in 50 years, when robotic dance enslave the earth, we will you won't be able to talk to kids. Not nearly that early. It'll be pushed back much back. The robot uh, wave will make sure recruiting is on the up and up. You know what? You know what? The worst part about this early recruiting stuff is is the disillusionment it gives to parents that, well, now they're recruiting eighth graders, so my daughter must need to go to some of these tournaments. No. Look yeah. at the girl they recruited. That girl throws 80 miles an hour overhand, and she's 12. Your daughter forgot her base, her softball hat, and her jersey <laughs> to this game. Do they wear hats? They are, Visor? yeah, they, Visor. Visors? They do not need to be in the same tournaments. This is, this is a very yeah. different class of – and it goes along with baseball, too. I mean, I know that – you know and all other sports. I mean, they're, they're so, it's happening so early. 99.9% of the kids are not, don't need to, don't need to do that. Don't need to spend the extra money to go to these big time tournaments. Um, you know, well, quote unquote, big time tournaments where there's only going to be a handful of kids getting recruited. Yeah. And if you didn't catch our uh, episode 22, the previous one from Tuesday, we talked a lot about the tournament model in baseball, in summer baseball and how broken it is and just how that needs to change going forward how we should just essentially let these these baseball tournament companies go bankrupt and and go back to having more local games that make more financial sense they make more recruiting sense and you're not really getting seen at these big tournaments like you think you are it's just a it's a big ruse and um so check that episode out if you haven't heard it we had a a really long good discussion with my former business partner lucas cook uh because we ran an academy and our teams together obviously bobby still runs way more teams than we ever 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 had so um, good dynamic of different experience levels there, but, and we're actually going to have Amanda Smith, uh, who's the organizer of that softball summit on our podcast on June 5th. And we're going to talk a lot about recruiting and the tournament model with her as well. Kind of do a softball version of that, of that talk and get her perspective. She was a, a former D one player, played some pro softball as well. So it'd be a good perspective. Yeah, there's a, yeah, I want to, I think we touched on a little bit for the tournament side, but, a uh, a guy I'm really tight with, up, you know, Tim Brownlee runs a diamond sports promotions up here. I think he does a very good job running tournaments, um, especially just in the, in the communication aspect. I think you guys touched on it too. He's been pretty, it was pretty communicative to you guys uh, when you were down in Illinois, Illinois state area. Well, yeah. And, and for the most part, I had only good interactions with him. Other people, I mean, I think with all those, it depends on your experience because in any of these you can have, Hey, my team had four good games. Like everything went fine, blah, blah. The next team's like, they didn't even line our fields. Umpire showed up 10 minutes late. Like they didn't do anything about it. Like there's just such a varied experience. And I don't know how you always prevent that because those, these tournaments get big and a lot of games yeah, going on and, and not enough maybe 
uh, delegates at each field from the leadership to make sure things go smoothly. I don't know. I don't run a tournament company. I never, I would rather die than run a tournament company. That seems like a job I would just, I personally would never want, but I don't know. It's, it's always mixed, but yeah, we, I mean with him, him specifically, I, I always felt like he did his best for us and I always had an okay time. So I don't know. Yeah. Those guys do good jobs, but anyways, let's, let's move on. I've got a question for you, Dan, since I've been active on Twitter recently. Um, have you watched any of the last dance with Michael Jordan and the whole 98 bulls thing? Have you seen any no, of that? I've seen it being talked about. I've not watched it. Uh, I would be interested in that, but I haven't. Yeah, so I haven't watched it either. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for all of them to come out. I'll probably knock them out if I do watch it in once one, uh, you know, one week or something like that. But here's what I asked on Twitter, and I'm curious to which you know what you would say if you could request that t- a Last Dance type documentary on any team or individual, who would it be? I think obviously Michael Jordan's very global figure everybody likes talking about him but uh i just put some you know the 2019 patriots brady's last year 85 bears 1986 mike tyson um i got some good comments down here from people that wanted to see different teams but i was curious if you had anybody you know maybe growing up specifically that you really want some insight on maybe that team or follow that well i was uh i was an atlanta braves fan as a kid so i was like a big braves fan in the in the 90s and it was probably me being a bandwagoner, but I loved watching Greg Maddox, John Smoltz. Like, I loved, there were just so many dynamic players on that team. Andrew Jones, like Brian Jordan, I mean, Chipper Jones. Like, they just had such a fun-to-watch team. It's like every other guy coming up to bat was like, oh, man, what's he going to do this time? Every starting pitcher in the rotation was just, like, spectacular to watch in their own unique ways. Like, Smoltz was very different, you know, more of a power pitcher than Maddox. You know, Glavin's the the lefty, similar to Maddox, but they have their own style. Like it was, it was a very fun team to watch. And when they started to kind of disband, like guys started to leave, like retire, or whatever, I stopped being just like a fan of any team. So I don't have a team that I follow. I haven't since the Braves. Right. But uh, I would love to see like something from that. Like I think Andrew Jones's story is probably super cool. I mean, he was 20 years old hitting dingers against the Yankees in the World Series. And then just playing yeah, center, center center field out of his mind for the next decade. Just incredible. I mean, his play in center field. He was just like renowned as like the best center fielder ever. And, uh, you know, so just like stuff like that. I would love to see some of like the behind the scenes of the Braves back when they had all those big personalities and just every, I mean, they had so many superstars in their own right. I mean, you look at the, the 95, 96, 97 Braves were... Yeah, they didn't pull out as many World Series rings as they should have, but you'd like the you'd like the world's best center fielder out there. You had Chipper Jones playing third base every day, hitting dingers left side, right side. Um, just like and just watching Chipper at the plate, his approach is incredible. I'll just go Apo Taco, no problem. You know, from from the left side, I just love watching him hit, right. hit bombs in the left center, swinging his like swing from the left side, and uh, like there just was so many. There's so much fascination for me of these there just were so many like hall of fame caliber players on that team at that time. It was, it was really fun to watch, but yeah. You, and, and you know, their nemesis at the time, the Yankees, they had lots of really good veterans that I think played above their ability level. Like you had a Bernie Williams who doesn't compare favorably to anyone on the, on the Braves team. Um, and I'd have to go back and look, I mean, someone that could probably be debatable, but like you didn't have the level of stardom 
but yet the Yankees always brought something bigger than themselves to these, uh, you know, the playoffs. Like, how yeah, can you? How can, yeah, but like, you start looking at, at a guy like Jim Laritz and um, like Tino Martinez and Bernie Williams. You like go player for player. Like the Braves, like have you, like forever and always back then. But the Yankees just like they played above their pay grade and played just arguably better as a team and when it mattered and I mean like Bernie Williams was as as formidable as anyone in the playoffs despite like oh, yeah. not being at the caliber of what, what position did he, Bernie Williams play was he like left field center center field, he was no. center field yeah yeah I, I mean, thought he, so he, he was like the poor man's Andrew Jones like not even close but at the same time I digress but so yeah I, for me it'd be it'd be something about the the mid-90s Braves I think their story hasn't really been told that that much yeah um I, d- I don't I mean I don't want to watch that one just because I don't feel like they have the polarizing personalities well, that would you. make it well, that make it you. interesting. You know, Chipper Jones seems very you know Chipper Jones, Maddox, Clavin, they seem very vanilla. You know, I, no now Deion Sanders, dude, was a brave. Yeah, that'd be uh, two uh, you sport. Know, Brian Jordan, two sport. Like what? Their talent right, level, well, the talent level that, that flowed through the Braves in the mid nineties was insane. Right. Just looking back, it was so, insane. It was crazy. I got a couple good comments on this on this one. Uh, the '90s Bills, Javi Lopez, know. Javi Lopez. Yeah, oh, anyway. Javi Lopez. So I got a, you know, a couple good comments. The '90s Bills, Buffalo Bills, come to mind. I mean, losing four straight Super Bowls. Oh God, the slap! Like that last one had to be just a just the ultimate punch in the face. Yeah, except no one cares uh, about losers ever. No one, no one would like watch the, that. Who are so the Buffalo not, Bills? That's not is what, that even a yeah. team? No one cares. Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly. That's not who I want, but that's. I thought that was an interesting one. Um, our guest on Tuesday, Rick Camp. Uh, Rick Camp has his own podcast, the I'm Fat Podcast and Basketball Camp Podcast. He's also a former producer on the local. Uh, why is it, why doesn't he have a thing called Fat Camp? Why doesn't he have a Fat Camp podcast? I don't know. We need to ask. Seems him, like its own he, brand. Uh, it's probably been taken right? a lot of times. We had he commented the 2000s University of Florida athletics, which I thought was incredible, incredible uh, toss in by him. You've got the Aaron Hernandez, the Tim Tebow, uh, the basketball team one. Did they went back to back national championships with Joakim Noah, Al Horford? Um, those teams. You have Urban Meyer, who is definitely a polarizing figure in football. Uh, the Pouncey Twins. It's like the university of like the amount of star athletes, star professional athletes that came out of that, those Florida teams and just the, in hindsight, the amount of controversy that was going on down there at the time, you know, what happened to some of these guys. I would love to hear some of the stories to be a fly on the wall for, for just those, just those house parties that they would be having down on that campus. I think that's a really good one. Um, just from just from a you know selfish aspect, I want to see you know, just the absolute chaos that Urban Meyer was basically sheltering these kids from all all ridicule when they were down there. And then you got Tim mm. Tebow with the with the eye black, the John three sixteen that apparently everybody hates. Yeah, don't mention Tim Tim Tebow on the show. I want this to be a Tim Tebow free show for all times. Are you a are you a Tim Tebow hater? I'm very anti Tim Tebow. Really? Uh, Trevor Bauer. Who else am I anti? Just because I'm just not in. Nah, stay out of it. Get out of here. Don't. No one you. Fair enough. 
So another one, another one that was tossed out there that I, that I liked, uh, he didn't even give a team, uh, guy that coaches in the summer for us. Nick Spertoli said, give me Barry Bonds. And I'm with him. I'd like to see that when he hit 73 that year, I'd like to just, just have a camera right next to Bonds for that whole season just to see his whole process. I mean, you don't well, get let's much talk about, insight. Yeah, let's talk about Bonds for a minute. So um, uh, so Richard Skank was on our show, talked about hitting, talked about emulating Bonds' swing. Okay, all well and good, best of all time. How much of Bonds' swing matters in how good Barry Bonds was? Um, I think it matters. I think it matters a lot. I think he had his, a great swing. But was his swing statistically or like by whatever measure really that much better than everyone else? Like he was very quick to the ball, but he's still in the major yeah. leagues. Like how much better can a person swing? Like does Mike Trout swing? Is is his swing the reason he's better than everyone else? The answer is definitely no, right? I w- it matters. I don't think it matters to the point that maybe Rich is advocating that it matters, but it definitely matters. I think the thing with Bonds was, you know, before he hit the 73 home runs, before his body just blew up he was a hall of fame player like he had a great yeah. swing and then you add in all those extracurriculars that that were going on and now you've just got less now you've got the closest thing to a machine playing uh you know a human sport yeah. i mean he, i i saw a stat and i can't recall exactly what it was but the gist of it was that that he missed only missed like 3% of the pitches in the strike zone thrown. Like he didn't barrel 3% of pitches that were thrown in the strike zone to him, you know, when he swung, which is an absurd statistic as a professional baseball player. I mean, just to think about watching a game, how many times guys pop a ball up or roll over or just miss the barrel completely. And you've got a guy that's basically up there playing a video game, just this absurd absurd talent and hand-eye coordination and you're also giving you know you put the best technique with him you know there's there's definitely guys that have played you name some of them Deion Sanders Brian Jordan just top of the level athletes that didn't have the best technique but they were so athletic they got away with it Hunter now Pence. you talk about yeah Hunter, oh god I mean Hunter so Pence is about, close to 300 every year and he's and yeah. he's just like he's like a jellyfish Jesus like he's just right. like so weird but and I so, but I, I think my question, which you kind of got to, is it like the swing at that level? So say you gave, say you took Bonds a swing and you gave him a league average swing. Is he less Barry Bonds? Yes. How much less Bonds? Okay, sure, but like how mm-hmm. much? Not not as probably a significant amount because his plate maybe, discipline is still so good. Maybe twenty percent, twenty five percent less. Which is pretty significant when you're talking overall, like Hall of Fame numbers, you know, world class numbers. I think he's. I don't think his swing accounts for nearly that much of much importance. Same with Mike Trout. I don't think his swing accounts for nearly as much. He just his approach and his eyes seem to be the reason. I mean, then you get someone like Hunter Pence who goes the opposite way. He's just got such good coordination that he can take his weird swing and do all the weird stuff and still do it at a 300 clip. So yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, how much better would Hunter Pence be if he had? Barry Bonds' swing. I think it, I think it's I think it's probably twenty percent. I mean, obviously, well, twenty percent on three hundred is sixty points. You're saying a sixty point swing? There's no shot. It's that much. No shot. But maybe you know overall twenty percent. Like, is he gonna is he gonna hit? Not to mention these are not little league swings. You know, like you give you give no, a, no, right. Mike Trout, you know, like the 
his one of his teammates swings these are still big leaguers everyone has a good swing in sure. the big leagues anyone who says a big leaguer doesn't have a good swing is kidding themselves v- vastly uh, vastly mm, mm. billy billy hamilton well he's not a big leaguer anymore i mean he he can't oh, hit that level. i don't even i don't think he is well if he's not he's on his way out because he hits 200 every year yeah, I okay, mean, there's definitely, there's obviously outliers. Let yeah, me let, outliers, let me but. amend that statement. Established veteran big leaguer. Very few. Well, even if they don't have pristine mechanics, they've got a level of success with whatever they're doing. Like it's repeatable, it's workable. They've made it work. You know. Yeah, but there's no. You're going to take those careers. There's flaws you see in amateur baseball just don't exist at that level. I mean, no, not, no, they, they can't. Don't. That's it's what I'm impossible. saying. It's impossible. So there's differences from one to the next, but there's the differences are not very great. The same with pitching mechanics. Everyone does almost all the same things at that level. They sure. just have a different leg kick, a different way they go down the mound. But when you start to freeze it at like foot strike and like their timing of their arm and like all these different things, there's variances for sure. But the big things that make a person throw a ball 92 miles per hour, every single person does them. Every, yeah. like every single. And then there's just variances person to person with their back leg and all this other stuff. But um, yeah. you don't I mean, see I any would, major league pitcher give... like with bad, you know, like a forward chest, like when they land or like bad weight shift like you don't see any of that stuff yeah i mean i'm gonna st- it's hard to put a percentage on it i just because we've never seen barry bonds with like a like he didn't make a swing transformation right like he's always had an amazing swing he just made a body transformation so i still think probably about 20 percent. you know i i don't th- i think with a lesser points swing, you're saying he's hitting 260 come on you gotta nah get out of here with that i think he's well, non that's a bad take bad take it's a bad this is the bad numbers take wise bad i mean take the thumb if you're out there you're listening, talking you can't see it the thumbs down overall thumbs how down. about home runs how about home runs like if he's normally hitting he normally hit what around 35 to 45 a year then he jumped up to 73 so i mean it wasn't his swing. it wasn't his swing that changed i know i'm just in general like you know if hunter pence is hitting 20 home runs a year like is he going to hit 20 25 to 30 i think so with a with a more better swing i think that's realistic i mean batting average is a i agree with you like 60 percent is a 60 percent is absurd or 60 points is absurd but is he going to hit you know 10 20 percent more doubles probably maybe like if he's got 40 sure, a, doubles couple, a couple balls won't go out of the yard like yeah stuff he'll hit like that 48 but... doubles but I mean, you gotta have. So, you, but you have guys like the league is filled with guys that don't have a bond swing that hit 30, 40 jacks, and that do hit three ten. Sure. That's that's my point. I it's think like, it's. It was I don't know if it's. I'm not gonna it say it's across him. the board, right? Like it's not gonna be across the board. Like, hey, if you have Barry Bonds swing, all your numbers can jump up twenty percent. I think it just gives the the ability that he has to to wait point zero one longer to swing the bat because his mechanic his mechanics are so efficient i think will will show up in the stat sheet um for a good amount of the players you know i 20 obviously arbitrary number that i'm throwing out there but i think yeah, it, it definitely matters high. it definitely matters you know i would compare it to velocity um you know if a guy that's normally just 92 miles an hour all of a sudden is if he's 96, like, yeah, that's not, you know, there's plenty of guys that throw 96 and there's plenty of guys that throw 92 that have, uh, you know, good numbers. They have a successful careers and they, and they're very good with 92. I just think, you know, if you're throwing 96, you get away with a little more, you can same thing with a better swing. Like you can get away with a little more with a, with a more efficient swing. Cause you can wait a little longer. 
maybe just get a little bit more behind some yeah, balls that he missed. Yeah, but 60 points is the difference between not being in the big leagues and being in the big leagues. I mean, that's the difference between I'm, two, I'm, 280 and 220. Cede, yeah, I concede the batting average points is not going to be... i say 15 points of batting average. That's that's what I would give. Okay, but what about... Pers- what I gave a percentage. Like, what percentage of, like, let's say numbers, like doubles... I'm assuming he runs. hits 320 every year. I don't know what Bonds hit. Um, let's say he hit 320. I say he hits closer to 300 if he has a, a lesser quality swing but what so what about numbers wise i mean obviously the counting numbers are big in baseball the home runs doubles rbi stuff where you know if he's got if he's averaging two hits a year how many more hits is he getting is he getting 20 more hits a year is he i mean it's it's not easy to quantify obviously right because there's it's not like if he scores a ball up he's going to get a hit but i think the counting numbers the home runs the the doubles i think those take a take a jump up to in the 20 percent range uh, twenty percent more. So he's hitting forty-eight home runs. So he goes down to forty. It's forty doubles down to thirty-two doubles. I could I could stomach that, but I couldn't stomach you know, 20 twenty percent off his as an average. as an average, right? Like as an average, like if you gave Billy Hamilton because we just talked about him Barry Bonds's swing, his numbers I think jump up well more than twenty percent because his swing is absolute trash. But he like, doesn't seem to be able to hit baseballs with his eyes he just doesn't seem to be able to do it but if i mean, I mean you know you know that, this your, your swing isn't your ability to hit you know this like who's no. like he just can't hit he just can't hit that level but he i never think never could the swing no i think but i think it's going to give him me you know if if anything it's going to give him more confidence i mean i'm sure i don't know i don't, I don't know anything about billy hamilton's career i mean but i'm sure confidence he's had is wonderful but i'm sure he's know. had stretches where he's where he's gone on tears now imagine having him on that tear well, of for, course an extended period of time because he's got a better swing, you know. I think his numbers jump up more than twenty percent. Yeah, but you're him. you're not your hot streaks, and anyone whose batting average is two hundred, you have stretches where you go three hundred for a while, but then you hit one hundred for oh, a yeah. while. I mean, like, th- you know, no one's batting average is ever. I just consistently go one for five. Everyone's batting average is this fluctuating, you know, ocean wave, yeah. and the right, better right, players right. are less wavy than you know the worst players, but. Um, so sure, he's gone three for four Saturday, two for four Sunday, you know, one for two on Monday, and then he goes like zero for fourteen for the rest of the week. <laughs> right, but that's or but that is being a bad 30. that is being a bad hitter. Like maybe he just gets a bunch of cookies against lesser pitching. Um, you know, he has a bunch of games where pitchers just seem to fall behind the count more against him, or there's no one on base, so the course are giving him more fastballs. You know, like there's just lots of situational stuff. Whereas. You get someone like Mike Trout, he hits no matter who you are, no matter the situation, no matter like what it is, like he just, so yeah, I it's don't know. T- I mean, I don't, I don't know. What I- it's tough to quantify how much mechanics matter, but they just don't seem to matter. I don't think at that level, they, I think they matter more at the youth level where you could have a swing that just like doesn't allow you to play baseball good. You can't play baseball good because your swing's so not good. I, I see, you know? I see a bunch of those. Yeah. And it's like, hey man, if your swing doesn't suck so bad, then you might be good at this. Maybe. But then again, at that level, if you're you good hand-eye coordination, you can figure out how to hit the ball with a bad swing. Which is still kind of my point at the major leagues. Like Bonds' approach was unbelievable. He it's like he knew as soon as you left it left your hands, whether it was a strike or a ball, and whether he could absolutely demolish it or he couldn't. Yeah. And he just and made, I mean, it's, and he made it's like it's hand in hand, right? Like it's his approach only got better because because he was so mechanically efficient he could see the ball a little bit longer so you like you add he already had the right an elite approach 40 40 guy 50 mm-hmm. 50 guy 
now 60, you 60, add 70, in, 70, 70. Could have been 80, right, 80, well, 90, 90 guy. He could have. I bet. I saw somebody tweeted this out that if the National League's got a DH, like could Barry Bonds jump in, jump in the big leagues currently and be a DH? And if he did, what would his slash line be? And I think, I think for sure Barry Bonds could still hit in some capacity in the big leagues now if he's going to. Oh. A hundred percent because if he's going to slug 600. I don't know, but I think for sure he's going to be, he's just in the good enough shape to hit in the big leagues right now. I would agree with that because he's still going to do his same thing, which is he's going to only swing the bat when the ball is on the inner half of the plate and he can drive it. And that's a skill that's still going to allow him to drive the ball, even though he won't hit it 480 feet anymore. He'll just be like ball, 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 no swing, ball, ball. He'll miss one. He'll, He'll miss more than he did before. Like, he won't get barreled to the ball as much as he used to. But oh yeah, he won't swing it. He's not going to go up there and roll over on a pitch on the outside corner, even at age 50 or whatever he is. No, he's going to still so, put a good swing on it. So, yeah, I completely and he's got, agree He's got to be what? Barry Bonds got to be, what, 50s? Like, early 50s, probably? Something well, like in, that. Well, in steroid years, that's like 70. His body's probably revolting. Well, unless he's still on him. Unless he's still on him. Well, speaking okay. of speaking of 50-year-olds, did, have you seen the Mike Tyson training video? Yeah, it was terrifying. He's so big. He just—he's like a bull. He's like a—he's like a pit bull. You're he's never a, not going to be a pit bull, even even until the last day of your life. You're still a pit bull, like so just muscular how, and just like come at me. It's how terrifying. much would it? How much money would you need to just be the guy with the with the mitts and the and the armor on, taking the body shots from him in training? Like, I, what, I would, what I would, would do you? that. I would do that. It would hurt, but I don't know. Look, you pee blood for if a couple misses, of hours, then you're fine. It's no big deal. I, I saw that guy put a quote out, and he said he saw his he saw his wife and kids flash before his eyes. The first right hook Tyson threw at his at his because those mitts are, you know, right next to your face, and this guy's just he's not his normal trainer, right? Like this guy's mm-hmm. not the guy that trained Tyson in his prime. He's just a guy with mitts on. You're trusting a you're trusting a guy with years of substance abuse and anger issues to miss your face by inches and hit this this three by three mitt you have on terrifying terrifying yeah. thing yeah well and they're the, talking about him they're talking about him fighting holyfield again the rematch that's why why would you watch it why would You'd any of the old it. guys do that don't do that it's a good way to like get permanently injured if you're 55 Who, you, and you're taking hey would you watch from, no, I don't watch anything. Like, I watch so little TV. I watch so little anything. Now, if you're like, hey, Dan, come over, fly to Chicago, and put on a mic, of course, like, I'll be there. I'll be like, <laughs> Malort will be there and, uh, the t- and Tyson, like, sure. But I'm not going to, like, go out of my way to watch it. Shout out to our unofficial sponsor, Jetsons Malort. Shout out to Malort. Uh, here, I'll read off the commercial. Malort, for when you want to drink the world's grossest liquor. And laugh at your friends as they make ugly faces, Malort. Malort, Malort. When it when it sounds like a, when it sounds like a good idea to ruin, ruin a family party. Mm-hmm. Yep, Malort. Um, so I supported local business the other day, and I got. Uh, I was very. I'm still. I'm still unhappy about this. I wrote their company because I was unhappy about it. I walked into a local DC coffee shop called Compass Coffee, and I've heard of yeah, they do a good job. And uh, sat many a time in their cafes. Uh, one customer's in there getting checked out, and they had a little thing of like their homemade syrups, and uh, they had, like this nice uh, bottle, which I needed a bottle. 
And I asked the guy while he's checking this person, I said, hey, how much, how much are these syrups? Because they weren't labeled, the price. And he looks me in the eye and then goes back to checking the guy out. I'm like, oh, okay. So you're, Interesting. you know, your company's laid off 80% of your people and you just, you, like, you don't have time to answer that question as I'm trying to like help you guys out. Like, you don't need to thank me for my business. I chose to come in here. Um, but at the same time, and then after you check the guy out, which clearly doesn't take that much brain power where you can't then help another customer just like, Hey, Oh yeah, 12 bucks. Cool. That's all I needed. Um, they just, just like turned around and like went about his business behind the counter. I'm like, Oh, guess I'll just go screw myself. Thanks. I still well, bought the bottle. I still bought the thing, still bought but, it, still but I, but I, I emailed the company about it. I'm like, Hey, I don't know if you guys just like maybe the guy had a bad day. I don't know, but I came into this like support small business and I made a purchase and your guy like didn't, didn't give a shit. So I don't know. I'll go to Starbucks. I mean, like I like Starbucks. It's fine. They have good cups. They have good mugs. But it just struck me as so strange and just pissed me off. So good, good but take I'm, home but mugs. I'm, but I'm still drinking out of my clean canteen thing. Mm. I support I support uh, local coffee shops as well as Starbucks. My wife is a she does marketing for Starbucks. So you, yeah, I have to I support I support her by getting Starbucks. It's not my favorite coffee, but I do like it. Well, when you're feeling basic and you want a pumpkin spice latte with a little bit less pumpkin spice because it's like too sweet the way they make it i mean i'm basic when it comes around october i think they're good i like their syrup I'm like whatever their, their yeah, regular coffee's not good it's just it's like over roasted it's burnt it's just not good let's let's be honest but their cafes are great and their and their marketing you, and their branding is great i like i like yes. their stuff it's they do great with all that and i think that's important for any business like you and, need to have good branding if you're going to be successful and people identify with your brand and the the pioneers of the free internet access Sheldon should not be forgotten because that is the reason we go to we go to Starbucks. At least I do. I mean, I could go to any coffee shop. I go out of my way to go to Starbucks because the I can sit there and work. Well, not currently, but well, yeah. And that's my thing with Starbucks is it's a it's, and that was their original thing is like we're a third place, which is it's not your work and it's not your home. It's a place you can be. Which that's again like they have great cafes. Like their design of their cafes is awesome. Like it's a good place to sit. It's consistent. You're gonna get decent Wi-Fi. Like, that's why I always go to Starbucks. I don't go there for the coffee. I, I don't really care about their coffee, but, sure. but yeah. So I don't know. Disappointing, but and then I went and I bought bread at a local place called Union Market or Union Kitchen or something, and the guy was super nice and just like he just seemed like a friendly person in general. But just like and again, I don't think companies at this point with coronavirus need to be like thanking us. That's not like, I just, I just like wanted a cup and I want to get one of their syrups because I've been to Compass and I like it. And I went in this place, I needed some bread and I like need to just grab one quick as I was going home. Um, but the guy was just like super nice and it was clearly like, and I was like, oh yeah, I, I want to come back in here and support that guy. That's how I want to feel going in any store. And like, yeah, you I'm going to go back to that guy's, business. yeah, like whatever. Um, like, we're, I we're getting a good look into Dan's shopping habits, syrup and bread. Well, I, uh, I try <laughs> to eggs. do a good job with like the stuff I give people on the web, like my videos and YouTube and all this stuff. And you don't need to thank me for it. I just do it because it's what I, I choose to do with my time. Um, but if you are going to leave a comment, don't leave some like, like I, I got one like a month ago and, a, and of course this is just like being on the internet. You have to deal with it. But a person was like, 
audio quality is bad. I didn't listen to this. I turned it off 30 seconds. It's like, well, screw you. Like, who cares? This is free video, dude. I have 20, 30, 40, 50 free videos. And you're leaving one comment to say that my audio sucked from one that I made two years ago. Like, who are you? Like, get, like, does it matter? Is, is that why you're listening though? Like, are you scouring YouTube for high yeah. audio quality? And I listened to it and it wasn't bad audio. It just was like a little bit windy that day for like a minute. And it's like, okay, like whatever. Um, and it's the same way with like, like with small business. I mean, I think people in general are appreciative and try to support local a lot, but I don't know. It's, um, like I said, people don't need to thank me for anything that I do on the web. You don't like, it's fine. That's not why I do stuff. When you do it, it's appreciated. Like, sure. It like makes you want to work harder, but just also just don't be meh. So I, I like as a business person, I just like bad service pisses me off and bad branding. I don't like, like, you, need you know, good branding anyway, you know, I'm, who's I'm got great soapbox. service. You know, who's got great service or unofficial sponsor, Jepson's Miller. Great service. You need terrible <laughs> tasting liquor. They'll have it to your door in a lickety split. You'll be, Absolutely. you'll be puckering your face and wondering why you drank that in no time. Jepson's my Lord. So I want to end on this and, and, our friend Zach Clark is listening. And I, I was going to text him before to get his opinion. Um, I threw a poll out there on the morning brushback. And the bad thing about these Twitter polls is you can only put four options. Um, so really oh, yeah. hindered, so hindered limited. me. It did. And it hindered me. Um, but I put best superhero poll. Who you got? Hashtag arm talent because we talk arm talent. So I got Superman, Batman, Wolverine, and other now the caveat to the other trash options are those those are trash options who would you put why was spider-man not on there spider-man yeah what is spider-man no one cares about superman if it's 1946 someone cares about superman no one's cared about superman in so long dan this is why you're out of touch let me let me read you the current no one wants this dude in a blue suit in blue Lululemon, Span, in a blue spandex. Lululemon bodysuit, flying around with a, with a red cape. No one cares so about here, that. So here, he's been obsolete for a long time. Hold your, hold your, hold your, hold yourself for a second here. Let me give you the numbers, yes, the current I'll, poll numbers. I'll hold, I'll hold myself. Go. Superman, forty-two percent. Batman, nineteen percent. Bad take, internet. Wolverine, sixteen percent, and other twenty-two percent. Now, to your point, the. My other ones that I were gonna that I was gonna put on there were Spider Man and Iron Man. Those were the two that came to mind, but I didn't have enough space. Um, so I mean, Spider Man and Batman are like the two standards. Those two need to be on any poll. The Superman is the he is the original superhero. He's got super in the name. It's played out. I mean, I didn't vote. Who, so who are you voting for? What do you got? Are you other Spider Man? Uh. The fact that other is my is a choice is just again that's just terrible. But you have to. So are we going like who we want to exist in real life? Who our favorite is, or who makes the best movies? Because Batman's movies with like Christian Bale were clearly the best for I mean going back many decades. They're very good. Spider Man's movies. I every Spider Man movie is the same. Guy runs around shooting his web, flying around some buildings maybe won't get through it but he gets through it and kills the bad guy or whatever like puts him in jail whatever he does I don't so think that, does so, spider-man kill anyone i don't think he does 
I, no, but like does. I wouldn't so go watch. Getting... I wouldn't go watch another Spider-Man movie. I haven't watched a Spider-Man movie in a while. Like I wore my Spider-Man jumpsuit as a kid, and hoped that it would give we're... me powers. It didn't. But and then now, so here's here's what we're getting on on our Periscope. We got Clark is chiming in. He's and thank you, Zach, for the uh, comments. He says fantastic quality. <laughs> he said he he questions is Batman a superhero? Um, he said Batman is really cool because he doesn't have a superpower. He's the only regular guy. But yeah, he's a super, I, yeah, he's a I hero. like Batman even less for that because he's just a trust fund baby that uses. He's just he's like that same loop. He's a Lululemon superhero. He just oh yeah, let, me, I mean, let me get this no, research no, and development not. money. Let me let me tap into my trust fund to go convert my uh, McLaren F1 and my Lamborghini into like a transformer to fight crime. Like, okay. So he's not, a, but he's not a Lululemon. Like he's got the armor. Like he's got an, he's got like the, you know, the Christian. Of Here's course the knock on Batman, Batman would wear, of course Batman would wear Lululemon underwear. If you have a billion dollars in his everyday in trust life, bear, yes, he's a Lululemon. I'm like, I wear Lululemon, but he is like head to toe Lulu'd out. Batman. Let me give, let me give you the knock. Rich, spoiled rich kid. Oh, he lost his dad and his mom. To gun violence, okay. Sleep on your bed of money and get over it. <laughs> Let me, here's the here's the, my big issue with Batman is that he's got a little sidekick named Robin, and for whatever we, for, we don't for, we don't <laughs> they don't speak of that anymore. They leave that out in the movies now. Well, you know what? It's this this part of his history. It's part of his the heritage. Me Too movement might come out and find something unsavory about that relationship. But, well, regardless, Robin is useless. He's he's just a guy in a in an odd colored cape that greenish he's, he brings nothing to the table he's no. he's dead weight he's got a sidecar on that sweet motorcycle that batman has it's a pain in the ass i don't like robin can't we now superman i'm with you superman is very basic like he's got the he's just a broad shot like what can he do he flies big shit like i he, i don't want to fly flying is pretty cool yeah you do it's cool i chose wolverine i'm a big wolverine fan wolverine's he, cool he's, with, he's a good one for sure he can't die like you can't kill him except with that one bullet that apparently everybody has that encounters him. That one bullet, you know what I'm talking oh, about? I don't, but Wolverine's you gotta he's, shoot him he's in a the good head. character. Hugh Jackman yeah. was like great playing him. Like he was just like that was that's who Hugh Jackman was born born to be. I but. think if anybody rivals the Batman movies, it's the Wolverine movies. The uh, I don't really or dabble potentially in those. Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah, I don't really watch the superhero stuff, but I watched I watched all the the Batman ones because they were just super good. Even though he's a he's a trust fund baby. Zach says Zach wants to know who your pick is. Juggernaut question mark. <laughs> so Juggernaut <laughs> is my unofficial nickname because when I sprint, I have very like a head bob. I have like this like intense. <laughs> I'm not super athletic. Kind of like I'm gonna run through this wall kind of sprint. Uh, so that's why our friend refers to me as, uh, the juggernaut sprinter, but, um, I don't know. I guess my, I would probably go Wolverine over Spider-Man just because of how tired Spider-Man's movies are. Superman is 1940. Spider-Man, like you see his movies once you've seen them all. Batman's a trust fund, trust fund baby. Uh, I don't really go into all the, um, Iron Man, all that stuff. So I guess I'm going to go with Batman, even though if I'm if I'm giving. So you got to go by the movies. I'm right? going like, by the movies. I've, I, I everyone who didn't enjoy the Batman, the Christian Bale ones, they were all just so they're all superb. By, they were superb movies. And you put yourself like who wants to who wants to be Tobey Maguire? 
Uh, nobody. Nobody. I, that's where I, has that's ever... where they lost me. I'm like this nerd. Yeah. Get him out of here. And I get that they're trying to find that like, you know, dorky-ish kind of normal dude that Spider Man. Like I get that, but Tobey Maguire and his like, I'm Tobey Maguire. His voice sucks. Like I just like get out of here with that. So I like, think that I think the official. Person. Here's my official superhero rankings. It's Wolverine okay. number one. It's by a landslide. I support it's, that. Then I'm going Iron Man number two, Batman yeah. number three. Superman and Spider-Man somewhere down in like the the 80s somewhere in the 80s but I put Iron Man after like Moth Guy and like Plumber Man he's in the 80s here's my logic here's my logic (laughs) who is number 76 on that list where Spider-Man is number 80 Robin Robin's number 76 Malort fellow they're they're sponsored they're commercially created who is the uh, Simpsons Uh, Duff Man a Duff Duff Man's above him Duff Man is such a good character (laughs) don't even get me started on the Simpsons and Duff Man Duff Man it's very sad now. Duffman was, he just had the best. He was like in we one should. out of every like 12 episodes. But when he was in there, it was just always gold. Every time <laughs> Duffman exists in an episode, you're like, oh my God, this is going to be great. He's going to have some line. Uh, Duffman's amazing. Zach, Zach, we should have had Zach on for this. But he says, when you go by the movies, it sells a superhero short. And what I can say to you, Zach, is that you're not on this. So shut up. Well, we appreciate no you. Way. Don't shut up. We appreciate the because uh, obviously we're live on Twitter and YouTube, so you're always welcome to leave us a, a question to cover on the show, even if it's nonsensical. Um, Chad, <laughs> quit. <laughs> Chad says, "Quail Malort. man." Chad says, "Malort is never a good idea." Accurate, Chad. It's very uh, accurate. He says, "Quail man" from Doug. Uh, Quail man somewhere around. You know, he's definitely Doug, above Spider Man. Doug, Doug is a trash comic. I did not identify with Doug as a kid. It's not tall. let's not go there. No Tim Tebow, right. no Trevor Bauer, no Doug on the show. <laughs> no Doug, no no Patty Mayonnaise. Mm-mm. I didn't really even watch Doug. I couldn't tell you. There's like a like a lemur or like a anteater in the show or something. Uh, <laughs> what I don't what know. was that show? Skeeter, Skeeter. Mm. It was it was Nickelodeon back in the '90s was uh was some was some form of uh, hallucinogenics writing. Sure, 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 sure. Um, but I'm definitely taking I'm definitely taking Iron Man over Batman. Then it's based purely on the movies and it's based purely on the personalities of what does uh, Iron Robert Man Downey. do? He flies, but it's just a dude in a suit. He flies like what what Same skills does Batman. he have that that Superman doesn't have? At least Superman Same does it in his own Lululemon bodysuit. Yeah, but he looks Superman's so. It's just such a bad optic with the with the blue and the and the, just the flying. Like, come yeah, on, you got to fly. It's 1950. Yeah, it never got better. He, he, I mean, he, what can he do? He can leap a tall building in a single bound. I mean, who can't? You could do yeah. that now. You could yeah. do that now. No, I couldn't. I'm, <laughs> I couldn't. Um, maybe oh, my man. robot, uh, my robots in the in fifty years from now could do that. You'd hope they'd have that capability. <laughs> but can't uh, Bill, say for sure. Bill Murphy chimed in and said, "Howard the Duck." And if I'm, <laughs> these are just getting nonsensical now. Uh, but this was a good Friday episode. I think we did a good job covering a lot of uh, newsish, newsish topics that won't be uh, relevant even a week from now. But good, fun way to well, go on our Friday. Yeah, and I, I just want to, I just want to point out and and give a shout out to Lenny Dykstra on Twitter who uh, who posted he was hasn't been arrested in two years. So I want to give a shout out, congratulations to to Nails. Uh, Congrats. Yeah. Slow clap for him. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. No response yet, but I'll be, I'll be uh, working that angle for the next. Tell, tell the him next there's Malort. Tell him there's Malort. That might send him back to jail. Mm. Good point. 
Good point. Well, for those of you listening, thank you for being here. This again is the Morning Brushback. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. We greatly appreciate it. Obviously, you know that reviews uh, sort of power the world. So if you can leave us a review, it would mean a lot. We'd really just like sleep better at night. Your reviews are the warm blanket that keeps us from crying ourselves to sleep. <laughs> Think of it that way. So leave, leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Share the show. And uh, we will see you here next week. Bob, send them off to, uh, infinity, join us to infinity and beyond. Yeah. Join us Tuesday for Rick Camp. Uh, send us your questions. Rick's got a lot of experience in uh, sports, sports radio. So it's gonna be a good talk. And the I'm Fat podcast, which has got a lot of good, a lot of good thoughts on fast food options. Sounds good. Gonna have a lot of Chick Fil A talk on Monday or Tuesday. There you go waffle fries. Waffle fries. All right, we'll see you next week on the morning brushback. See ya.